Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this week's episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we're going to be talking about external validation, how it can really distract us from listening to our true intuition and really staying true to ourselves and how it can really make things hard for our kids. Now, to have this conversation, I'm bringing in a friend and colleague, Maury Fontanez, and she's going to help us understand how we can help raise our children to avoid validation addiction. And hopefully we have a chance to talk about how we can work on that within ourselves too. So Maury, welcome to the show. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Will you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I love your show and I'm excited to talk to parents about parenting because I'm very passionate about that, but that is not my background. Uh, I will explain just a little bit. I am an executive purpose coach and the owner of a business consulting firm. I basically started 822 Group, which is my firm, after about 20 years on the agency side, helping Fortune 500s manage crisis and chaos and change um, and really try to build relationships with their employees and customers. And I left that career because I was seeing a major problem in business, which is that leaders were disconnected from themselves. My intuition told me over and over again that I needed to do something about that. And so 822 Group and my work is really about reconnecting leaders and actually just people back to their intuition so they can live and thrive in their purpose. And in doing that, I've really become a student of all of the limiting belief systems or the things that block us from being intuitive, that block us from being purposeful and from thriving. And one of those things that I teach a lot in my methodology is what I call validation addiction. And over the last three years that I've been teaching my clients about this, I've also, in order to walk the walk, really been looking at how that plays in our lives and particularly as a parent with my children. And so lately I've started talking a lot about validation addiction in children. What does it mean? How does it start? How do they learn it from us? And how, you know, right now with social media being the primary way that they communicate, it expounds upon that addiction and what we can do to kind of help them navigate it and become their own source of validation. 
I love that. You know, I feel like in the parenting world, we, um, we hear the praise junkies that we don't want to raise kids that are praise junkies. I think a, a little bit dismissive of something that what we were really saying is that we want our kids to know who they are. We want our yeah. kids to know what deeply matters to them, to be able to stand up for themselves, stand up for what they believe is right. And to follow their heart out thinking that they have to do something or be a certain way in order to be loved, accepted, valued and seen in our families. And I think that that's what we're talking about here today. When we talk about validation addiction, we're talking about really external validation, right? That's right. Absolutely. So what are the, some of the things that parents can unknowingly and with the best of intentions be doing that actually sets our kids up to look for and seek external validation? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, listen, the biggest truth is that, you know, we mirror behavior for our children, right? And so they're learning not from the things we're telling them, maybe a little bit, but really from watching us. And, you know, I have noticed as I've been looking at validation addiction, you know, what are the ways that I as a parent show that other people's opinions of me not only matter, but define my value? right? Mm. Am I constantly checking my Instagram now that I'm building a brand to make sure people are liking the content? (laughs) You know, am I really overly reliant on my mother or my sister's opinion of a decision that I've made? How do I interact with my fiance in front of them in terms of being able to speak my truth and hold that truth regardless of his reaction? Because those are the things that we really do by living that our kids learn from. And so the biggest thing I would say is, really being mindful about how much do you look to external sources and people to tell you you're valuable, to tell you you're worth it, to tell you that you matter, to tell you you're successful, that you're a good mom or a good dad, right? How much do you need that from others to define your sense of self and your Absolutely. Yes. And not even need that feedback that you are successful, but even need other people to tell you what does success mean? I think it's so important for us to think about that. You know, so the way that I parent my kids, everybody who gets a chance to work with me knows that I'm not here to tell you how to parent your kids. I parent my kids in the way that's right and aligned for me. I'm here to help you figure out are you actually parenting in alignment with what's right for you? But I mean, we get to decide, we get to choose what a successful parenting day looks like or a successful business day or a successful partnering day looks like for us. Those are our choices, but oftentimes we are seeking outside definitions of success. And you're so right that that's kind of the root, right? Like that's the seed we have someone else or a system or a culture, right? Like I'm Persian. So for Persians, being a mom looks a certain way. It certainly did not look like traveling three weeks out of the month when my kids were two and four for my career, right? So my mom was sort of like, what are you doing? And really having to understand that culturally, systemically, in our relationships, we are told what good looks like. And that is actually the seed that plants the validation addiction, because then we're constantly trying to meet someone else's definition. And the crisis comes in when we genuinely hit a moment where we're like, that's not, I'm not happy trying to do it this way. Yeah. I'm getting the validation, but it, it just doesn't even feel good anymore. So that's, I mean, that could be a different topic. We could talk about that for hours, but I think you're absolutely right that it starts from trying to fit into someone else's definition of good. 
Absolutely. You know, I don't know that I've talked about my like professional background very much on this podcast, but I was a professor in my dream job, you know, what I thought was my dream job. Um, In reality, it was the job that a friend had told me I would never be qualified or good enough to get. (laughs) And then I went out and got it, you know, yeah, I was in it and I was realizing, you know, so in academia, all definitions of success are external. When you go up for Mm -hmm. tenure, you seek out the experts in your fields, you know, kind of a permission and approval to, to get promoted your, you know, how well you're doing is based on your, you know, your publication acceptance rate, you know, it's all external. And I had this big dissonance, this big moment of realizing that I was living a life that was not what I actually believed in or wanted or was good right. for me. And I was completely disconnected from my purpose because it was taking years for all of my research on parenting to actually get into the hands of parents. And that's, mm-hmm. so I quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, this is, I don't, I know, I do not want my kids to find themselves in the, you know, their mid thirties at a crisis point where they don't yeah. know who they are. They've been live, yeah. trying to live up to other people's standards that they don't even believe in right. that have just been handed to them unconsciously. Yeah. I don't want that. So, yeah. and I, I think our listeners agree, like, this is not what we want for our kids. What, yeah. what was done to us. We don't want that for our kids. Please. Literally happened today that I had to, just to show that this is constant work as a parent, right? <laughs> right. I am getting remarried five weeks and I had my dress fitting today and my mom went with me. And it was such a poignant moment getting older. I was like, wow, this is so amazing that I get to have this memory. And we were walking back to the car. And in my head, I was thinking, God, I really can't wait to have this with my daughter. And I stopped myself. And I was Mm -hmm. like, if I have this with my daughter, if she chooses this, which by the way, I don't know. And I had to ask myself in that moment, can you let go of this desire for her? And it was like Mm -hmm. resoundingly, yes. So that's, it's like the tiniest, teeniest little moments that we build these boxes for our kids. That was a really positive thing. I wanted to share something that I thought was lovely with my daughter, but I had to stop myself as a parent and say, she might not think that's lovely 20 years yeah. from now. She might never want to get married. Yes, I think you're so right. I think it is so important for us to remember it's fine to have hopes and dreams for our kids, but not to the extent that, like you said, it boxes them in right. and keeps them in a little space that is by our definition that we leave room for them to be themselves too. Yeah. And that creates disappointment for us that they can feel. And they can, they're so good at feeling <laughs> our disappointment, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so what are some other pieces then? So I very much appreciate the invitation, you know, when we're looking to inspire our kids to a good look at ourselves and really step into that kind of fierce, strong place of living in our values so that we can transmit them more fully to our kids. I love that. But what about our interactions with our kids when we have moments and opportunities to help our kids learn to start self-evaluating and finding satisfaction in in their true compass within themselves? Any thoughts on those? Yeah, I have three big ones. The first one is in when they accomplish something that we feel proud of. One of my rules is to not say I'm proud of you first. My rule is to ask, are you proud of yourself? So that it immediately creates that kind of circuitry (laughs) that what matters most is how proud of yourself you are. Then I can tell you, I'm really proud of you too. 
So that's a simple one I do all the time right now so that they can have that internal guidance system start to grow within them that's asking, am I proud of myself? Not am I trying to make my mom proud? Mm -hmm. That's the first one. The second one is in problem solving with them, right? You know, they're having a hard time in a class or with a friend. Instead of telling them what to do, I do a lot of asking them what they think is the right thing to do. And one of the things I say to both of them is, I always use this with them. What is your higher self telling you right now? Hmm. Because it's important to me as a parent who really values intuition to build that connection with their own intuition first and foremost. I help them envision it as their higher self. We've even done things when they're little where like they would draw what it looked like. Aww. And then they can ask, you know, what is right right now? Or what should I do with my friend? And so it's more of being their partner in brainstorming and being their reminder that they can reconnect to this like unending source of wisdom within themselves mm-hmm. to find the answer rather than mommy has the answer, right? Now, Honestly, I am not perfect. And there are moments where we are racing around or I'm stressed out, or I feel like it's a, you know, not life or death, but it could be a dangerous situation where I'm way more directive, but I am very mindful about choosing those moments very carefully. It is not heavy handed. It is not the majority of the way that I parent. It is to really be thoughtful about when I'm really being directive and when I can actually ask them to stop and and think. And then the third one is, and I teach this to executives that I coach. I always tell people, nothing is ever personal ever when you're interacting with someone else, because everyone is in their own hurricane mm-hmm. always. And so they're not even thinking enough about how they're going to drag you down to be doing things related to you. It's about them. They're either triggered or they're traumatized or whatever it might be. So in their interactions with their friends, when that stuff gets hard, is to really help them to distance themselves and ask, what is this person going through that has nothing to do with me? So that they can understand that it's never about them. The byproduct of that, which is so lovely, is that it also builds empathy because then they have understanding. But one of the things I'm also teaching them is that you can have empathy without crossing the boundary of trying to fix it for them, Mm -hmm. right? You can just experience or understand it and take yourself out of the scenario. If you take yourself out of the scenario, all of a sudden you can be emotionally neutral about it because it's not about you anymore. So those are the three kind of big things that I talk about. I love that. I think that's so important. I think so many parents that I have the beautiful opportunity to work with feel lost and like they don't have an intuition that they can trust. And, you know, through working together, they find it again, they start listening again. Um, But I know that they're very hungry to not quiet, especially their daughters. I think in our world, women especially are told that we have to quiet our intuition and fit into you know, certain places. And I love this, the last um, example of helping our kids engage in perspective taking. It's really hard for little kids who cognitively aren't quite there yet. But as they get older, we, I mean, we can be inviting them to see the other side. Just this morning, my daughters were out watering our garden and one had a hose and was on the raspberry patch and was kind of just moving it across the raspberries and went too far and sprayed her sister. It was a complete accident. And the 
sister who got sprayed was started yelling about it. And then that one got really, you know, the one who did the spraying felt terrible and was so upset. And doesn't, right. she's really sensitive to getting yelled at. So it was this Aww. big blow up. And really at the end of the day, like what came down to it was I sat down with the older one who's a little bit more able to do the perspective taking. And I said, honey, yeah. you think she meant to spray you or you do you think it was an accident? And this was after validating about us so uncomfortable to get yeah. sprayed. It uh, was such a right. surprise. Yes. I know that water is hard water. So it's itchy on your skin. Yeah. You know, all, cause she has some sensory stuff. So all the validation yeah, first yeah. and then the invitation for perspective taking. And she goes, no, I suppose I didn't really need to yell at her because it was an accident. She would never spray me on purpose without my consent. And I was like, I know, I didn't think wow. so. They both apologized yeah. and it was fine. Yeah. They've been playing beautifully all day. Yeah. But, you know, having them come to that conclusion themselves, I think is so much more helpful than just telling them. And that I really appreciate you bringing that. I also really loved what you had to say about asking them to self-evaluate. I think that that's so important. Uh-huh. And even like those of you who are listening, even when your kids are really little, you can still do this. So when they come to you with a scribble on the paper and they've got a big grin and they say, mama, look at what I drew. Like you, I mean, of course you love it. It's beautiful. And you can also just pause for just a second and say, oh, I see you've got a big grin on your face. What do you think about your drawing? And just invite them. Pretty mama. And then you say, oh, it's so pretty, you know, and then you go in, but you, even when they're tiny and barely verbal, they, you can still invite self-reflection and self-evaluation. hundred (laughs) percent. Yes. And can we talk about your raspberry patch? Did I hear raspberry? My goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. I want to come to your house. Oh my God. We're so lucky. We have just such a beautiful backyard. It's a dream. Wow. We're so fortunate. Yeah, <laughs> but, that yeah. sounded idyllic. I'm like, they're spraying the raspberries. How lovely. Yes. It's yeah. No, it was there when we moved in, we were actually really surprised because we bought the house in the winter time and oh. we didn't know what was under the snow. It's Wisconsin. So it was like two feet of snow yeah. and, up and we were like, these are raspberries. We get raspberries. It was very exciting. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, so are there other things though? So, I mean, we've talked about this with younger kids. What about as our kids get older, as they mm-hmm. age and move into the teen years when this really gets hard, especially Especially, like you said before, with social media, I mean, the vanity metrics and social media, and there's so much research Uh coming out on what this does to teen girls, especially Uh they look for that validation externally. Is there anything that we can do to help girls through this? Yeah, I am not one of those moms that doesn't allow them on iPads and does, you know, tries to keep them away, but I limit it. So my daughter, who's 12, is allowed on TikTok only. She's asked for Snapchat and all these other ones, and I've told her no. But TikTok really is kind of the way she expresses. She's a performer, so she's constantly kind of performing on yeah. TikTok. And one of the things we talk about, because she brings it up a lot, is, wow, you know, 500 people viewed this video, but only two people liked it. And so instead of, first of all, I think our first instinct as parents is to try to make them feel better. Yeah. So it's like, no, it doesn't matter. You know, instead of all that noise, I will connect, like make sure I look her in the eye and ask her, does that make your video any less funny, creative? Was your dancing not good? Like, you know, let's actually try and really think about how do you still feel about this video? Do you like this video? And so it's about just, again, breaking that narrative with her right then and there and asking her again, how do you feel about this thing that you created? But the second thing is, you know, I think that in the friendships, 
as they get older, calling things for what they are. And if she's experiencing mean girl stuff, to let her know that. Mm. To let her know that that's coming from someone else's hurt and it's mean and it's not okay. And, you know, having more kind of radically honest conversations with her about what she's experiencing rather than trying to sugarcoat it or, you know, make her feel like it's an anomaly. But just to tell her, the other thing I do is I tell her a lot about my own childhood, a mm-hmm. lot about what it was like in middle school for me and how I was bullied and who bullied me and what that felt like um, and what I wish I knew then that I know now. So I think it still goes back to those same three things, right? But it's just at a more transparent, more adult kind of way of speaking to them, right? It's not the baby language, but it's like, what do you really think about yourself right now or this thing that you made? And what do you think the other person that was so terrible about it actually thinks about themselves that allows mm-hmm. them to be terrible towards you? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, again, it's the perspective setting and really helping her to have permission to love the things she loves and not yeah. look for other people to tell her it's okay to love those things. And to know, I always tell her, when you raise your frequency, you will find people who will meet you there. Yeah. And if they're not at your frequency, you don't need them to drag you down. You're trying to fly. So <laughs> you've got to keep finding people that meet you at your frequency and you'll know in your gut what that feels like. Oh, I love that. And it also, I, you know, I feel like you kind of touched on it and I just want to pull that out to you is it sounds too like you're really teaching her to be a critical consumer of social media, of what do these things actually mean? And I, I sometimes even take that one step further with, especially with my coaching clients who have the tweens kids, teaching them about algorithms and the psychology that is used on these platforms to get people to stay on the platforms and keep creating content and motivated to want you to stay on it and keep making things Yes, and why they might even want you to not get likes so that you keep, you know, the psychology back for it. Yeah, exactly. So I have those conversations around things like, you know, the little toys that are at the checkout counter and how stores choose to put those there. So kids will ask their parents for them (laughs) and their parents are already buying things that there's psychology involved in that. And so having those critical consumption conversations early at age appropriate times, but as you get older around, like, are we going to let the algorithm trick us like that? Are yeah. going to let the algorithm, some, some people who are writing codes and who read a psychology book really do that to us? You know, yes. no. We're not gonna- I watched this social dilemma. I don't know so good. That. Right. And yeah. after I saw that all of our notifications went off, every single device, no notifications are allowed yeah. because they really talked about how they measure how long it's been since you've interacted and they'll start pinging your phone and notifying you. And so it's like such an easy gateway to get you back in. So there's definitely huge value in you teaching people about algorithms. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Um, Well, I love this conversation. I feel like it was so lovely and varied. I so appreciate you sharing this information with me and with all of us, really. I mean, and I just want to wrap up by bringing it back to that we really practicing what we, and embodying what we want our kids to, to experience and, and take on for themselves is so important. I'm, I'm so glad you started there. I I really appreciate that. Thank you. And being honest with them about how we're feeling about things. Mm -hmm. You know, I made a mistake and I 
this person did this and I felt bad about that. You know, I'm really honest about stuff like that with them too. So they understand that it's not all peaches and roses and puppies all the time. They need struggle modeled for them as well, yes. you know, in with appropriate and healthy boundaries, of course, you know, yes, yes. Exactly. but yeah, exactly. absolutely. They need to see us being yeah. resilient. Yeah. yeah. The work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Maury, thank you so much for oh bringing my this God, conversation. This so fast. I could yeah. talk to you for hours. Yeah, I no, I really loved it. It was awesome. It was really fun. I'm really glad that we had a chance to have this conversation. And I want to make sure that folks know where they can find you. I know you have a couple of articles on this topic. I do. So yeah. yeah. So follow me uh, on Instagram. That's where everything goes at Maury Fontanez. I'm constantly sharing my writing and videos and things like that at Maury Fontanez. And then um, for my firm, it's 822 Group, which is our website. It's 822group.com. Awesome. Well, Marie, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. I loved being here. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.